Good. Exodus 27. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Here's what this means. Uh, there will always be a consequence. There will always be a consequence when you take the name of the Lord in vain. There will always be a consequence when it comes to breaking this commandment. And it's a consequence that hurts you. Not just because it's the wrong thing to do, but I'm going to show you biblically how when we use the Lord's name in vain, it actually hurts us. It does something to our business, to our family, to our life, to our health. Uh, the name God, here's the boring part that I really love, but the name God was not in the Bible. When, Moses appeared, when God appeared to Moses and Moses said, Who are you? Uh, the burning bush did not say, I'm God. G-O-D. Call me God. That's my name, God. That's not what he said. Uh, the name of God in the Bible was actually Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, those two names are the same thing. They were derived from different centuries and came out of different... But they, let me show you how they're the same thing. The Tetragrammaton, the Tetragrammaton means the four letters. The four letters of God's name is Y-H-V-H. In Hebrew, that is yod Hey vav Hey, or those four letters. The Hebrew alphabet does not have any vowels in it. At least it didn't at the time. There were no vowels in the Hebrew alphabet. So God was actually Y-H-V-H. In the 13th century, I know y'all just love this. This is so exciting. In the 13th century, Catholic scholars began to add vowels to the Hebrew language. And it came out to look like Yahweh. It added A, added E, but then... They changed the V to a W, and then through time, they started pronouncing the Y as a J, and so Yahweh became Jehovah. It's the same thing. When Moses and God met, God said, here's my name, I am that I am that I am, that I am that I am that I am. I am everything. I am existence. It means um, he will be, he is, he was, he's everything. He exists. He created existence. How can you even fathom uh, having a name <laughs> to describe that. I mean, what kind of name do you give the, the, the creator of the universe? What kind of name do you give him? Now, we call him God, G-O-D in our English vernacular. We say God. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Whether you call him Yahweh, whether you call him Jehovah, whether you call him God, Lord, Jesus, healer, provider, protector, deliverer, savior, it's all the same. So when you damn God... You are damning your provider. When you say, oh my God, you are saying, oh my healer. When you say, oh Jesus, you're saying, oh, the one that saved my soul. Whenever we use the Lord's name verbally in vain, we're actually, we're actually saying this about the very person who gave us our children. The very one who healed us in the past and can heal us again in the future. The point I want you to see is God's name isn't just a noun. It is an adjective. So every time you say the name of God, it's not the name that's on his birth certificate, if he had a birth certificate, which he doesn't. But if he did, that's not what you're saying. You're actually saying adjectives. You're describing his character. Remember when you say, man, they got a bad name in the community. They just got a bad name. You're not talking about the name on the birth certificate. You're talking about who that person is. Every time you say the name of God, it is not just the noun, it is the adjective describing everything he's done, everything he's doing, and everything he's going to do. Every time you say his name, you're saying the one who created the universe, the one who delivers his people, the one who brings victory into their life, the protector, provider of their children. Every time we say his name, we're not just saying a noun, we're saying an adjective. So let me show you some scriptures that I know you've heard before, but I want to show you how the name of God 
is synonymous with who God is and His character, okay? Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord, it doesn't say the Lord is a strong tower. It says His name is a strong tower. And of course we know the Lord is a strong tower. Here's what this is saying. You can actually call Him strong tower. You can actually pray and say, my strong tower, because that is His name. All through the Bible, there's over 7,000, I think, times where it gives His name. And it's not just God. Psalms 27, some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name. It doesn't say we trust in God. It says we trust in His very name. You can actually trust in the name of God because it is who He is. Philippians 2.9, God gave Him the name, Jesus, which is above every other name. How can one name be better than another name? Here's why. It's not just His name. It is Him. It is everything inside of Him, everything that flows through Him, everything that flows out of Him. It is Him. Romans 10.13, whoever calls on it doesn't say the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So now let's look at the commandment again. Exodus 27 says this. You shall, not have the, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The word take is a Hebrew word and it means to carry, to bear up, or to take up. The word vain is useless, self, useless, self-centered, conceited, worthless, in a prideful, arrogant way. So let's read the scripture again with these definitions. You shall not take up, you shall not carry with you, you shall not bear the name of the Lord your God in a useless, self-centered, conceited, worthless, or arrogant way. It's like whenever you get married, when a woman marries a man in our country, she takes his name. So everywhere she goes, no matter what part of the world she is in, she is representing her husband. She has taken that name. What she does affects the relationship with her spouse because she carries that name with her everywhere. So, here, now we're out of the boring stuff. Uh, Israel in 594 B.C., maybe a little bit more, 594 B.C., Israel went into exile. The reason they went into exile is because they profaned the name of God. Now, I want to make this very um, applicable for even young people. Imagine our nation, which is one nation under God, America. Imagine that we went into exile. What that means is everything we have and love and all of our prosperity and our wealth and our health, we get taken up out of America and we get sent to a country in Africa where there's poverty, where we're not doing well. And we realize the reason that all of us got sent to this other country is because we profaned the name of God. We said we were one nation under God. But yet we profaned his name and we lost everything. In other words, the whole nation went to crap because they profaned the name of God. Okay? So listen. So it says in Ezekiel 36.20, the people profaned or disgraced my holy name. After they realized in 594 what happened and they lost everything because they profaned the name of God, starting in 600 B.C. to 300 B.C., especially in 300 B.C., all the Jewish people stopped saying the name of God. They stopped pronouncing it. They never wanted to speak it because they wanted to teach their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We lost everything back in 594 B.C. We lost it all. Your great-grandparents, they lost everything. Here's why they lost everything. Because they simply profaned, misused, carried the name of God the wrong way. So they stopped verbalizing it. We have a church member here at Solid Rock who is a Jew. Wonderful lady, pure heart, loves the Lord. And when she emails me, and we talk about sermons and stuff like that, she never even spells the name of God. 
When she emails me, it looks like this. She says, may G hyphen D bless you. Because she doesn't even want to take a chance that she could ever misuse the very name that we call God. Now, I know you're thinking that's really religious, that's weird, I don't know if I can do that. Okay, the principle behind it is incredibly biblical. But here's what I want to show you. The people of Israel that went into exile and lost everything they had because they profaned the name of God, it wasn't because they were pronouncing it in a wrong way. It wasn't because they verbalized it the wrong way. They discovered later they were profaning the name of God by the way they lived because they carried the name of God with them wherever they went. His name was branded on their soul. Everyone knew they were children of God, yet when they entered into the new land, you couldn't tell the difference between the people that carried the name of God and the people that didn't know God. When you looked on their Facebook page, the people that did know God and carried His name, their Facebook page looked exactly like the people who never heard of God. The pictures were just as erotic. The captions were just as nasty and mean. When they went to work with the Israelites, the people that carry the name of God, they acted and had the same amount of less integrity as the people who didn't carry the name of God. All of them got to work late. They all had a bad attitude. They all gossiped. Whenever they hung out with these people, the way they talked was the same way as the people that did not carry the name of God. And for that reason, God said, you took my name in vain. You carried my name with you. I gave you my name. I called you a child of me. I let you carry God with you, but you didn't act like the way I wanted you to act. You didn't, uh, you didn't represent me the way you should have represented me. And for that, your whole nation went to crap. And I wonder how many of us call ourselves Christians and we're carrying Christ with us, but we're not living like Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, we are ambassadors. That's why I call this sermon ambassadors. We are ambassadors, God's personal, His personal representatives. There should be a difference between the people who carry the name of God with them and the people who've never heard of God. Uh, several weeks ago when we were in New York City, we were walking through Times Square, and, uh, and, 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 and don't be offended by anything I do or say, please. I'm intentionally trying to rouse some emotion out of you. Uh, but we were walking through Times Square. Times Square is probably the most ethnic, diverse place on planet Earth, I would say. That's my guess. So we walked through Times Square, and my wife, Micah, and I, it's me and the two, two of the kids. All of a sudden, Micah says, don't look to the left. And what's the first thing that some, you do when somebody says, don't look? What's the first thing you do? So me and the kids, we were like, what are we not supposed to look at? Shoo! And we immediately see why we need to turn back and look to the right. In the middle of the day, thousands of people could barely get through. All of a sudden we look and there's two naked women in the middle of the street, middle of the day. And the only thing that they are wearing is a painted version of the, well, there's no version about it. But anyway, a painted American flag on them. I mean, it was they were over middle-aged, and it was just, and the, they had, the, all they had was the painted flag. That's it. Paint. Totally naked, just paint. And they were doing it to get money and get attention and things like that. Now, here's my question to you. How many of you have somebody 
that you know that served our country in the military in some way. They gave their life. They were willing to die. Uh, the same day in New York, I saw an older couple walking down the street, and the man had a cane and had a, 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 a veteran's hat on, and he had POW written on the side, prisoner of war. This guy most likely was abused, beaten, left his family, all kind of horrible things happened because he was willing to give his life to serve the country that we now say is under God. And then these ladies are wearing it in a painted body just to receive money and pictures. Uh, how does it make you feel whenever someone takes our flag and they burn it? How does it make you feel when someone holds this up and they scream racial slurs? How does it make you feel when they take this flag and they verbalize hatred or um, animosity towards the commander-in-chief of our country? Whether it's Obama, Trump, Hillary, I don't care. It's a position. No one's perfect. No position is perfect except for Jesus. That's the commander-in-chief. We don't verbalize anything negative about our commander-in-chief. But anyway, people do it. How does that make you feel when they carry that flag and that's how they act? When people died so that we could be free and have this and that's a, so here's my question to you how do you think it makes Jesus feel when we carry the Christian flag with us everywhere we go and yet we have just as much strife just as much hatred we get offended just as quick as people that don't carry this flag for those of you who don't know, this is the Christian flag, by the way. Universal Christian flag. Uh, uh, well, how do you think it makes Jesus feel when he gave his life so that we could be free, and yet people carry this and they cuss just like everybody else? They treat people just as bad as everybody else. They get to work late. They don't represent this well. And somebody gave their life so we could carry this with us everywhere. Here's what I want to tell you. We take God's name in vain by calling ourselves Christians but not living like Christ. That's what it means to take the name of the Lord. This is a good sermon, huh? Man, I've never been so convicted in my whole life studying as I did for this. I, had, I could probably preach the sermon for nine hours. It, it was so much conviction on what it means to really take the name of the Lord in vain. So I have three L's for you today. Three L's on how we should be ambassadors of Christ and how sometimes we misuse or take the name of the Lord in vain. So if you're ready for the three L's, say, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Number one is this. We are an ambassador of light. We're an ambassador of His light. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 5.14 that you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Make your light shine so that others will see your moral excellence, but then they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Everybody see that cross up there? Every morning we wake up, and we wake up with a spotlight in our hands. Every day. And we can easily say, look at all that I've accomplished. Look at everything that I've done. Look how great I am. Look how sexy I am. Just check out my pictures. Look at how much money I make. And what we don't realize is everything that you have, it all came from God. Every single second, every, every penny you have, every breath you breathe came, breathe came from God. Now, here's what we do so many times, though. We love to take this light out that God's given us, and we love to shine it on ourselves. We take the glory. You might not realize this. You were never created to contain glory you were created to give God glory. Amen. Every day. That's, that's what we do. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I'm not that sexy, and I'm not that great, and I don't, I don't think I'm all that special. But here's what you do. Here's, it's still pride, and it's still horrible pride. Look how bad I am. Listen to all the bad things I've done. Counsel me. Let me tell you what I'm going through. Look how pitiful I am. Listen to all my mistakes. I don't deserve anything good. 
Listen to my past. Me, 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 me. Let me tell you who hurt me. Oh, I'm just so full of bad stuff. Let's talk about me all day long. We were never created to contain the glory. We were created to shine the glory on the cross of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, Now God is shining His light in our hearts so that His glory, not our glory, so that His glory can be seen. Listen, the rays that you got, it didn't come from your creativity. It came from the creativity God gave you. The children you have, that wasn't your doing. That was God allowing you to have those children in your life. The, the, the money that you make, that didn't come from your mind and your contacts and all that, your education. God gave you the ability to breathe. If you're, if the reason you have breath in your body is not because of you, it's because of Christ. That's our job. Our light can only point in one direction at a time. It can either point on ourselves, or it can point on Jesus. And every day we have that choice. Um, in the Old Testament, one of the greatest chapters that I absolutely love is uh, Daniel chapter 4. If you ever want a good read before you go to bed, Daniel chapter 4, okay? Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he started off the right way. God blessed him. And so in Daniel 4, 3, he said this, How great are the wonders God shows us. How powerful are the miracles that God performs. God is king. He's going to rule for all time. It's easy for us to point the light on Christ when we're, you know, we don't have that much. When we're not making a hundred grand a year, when we don't really have a lot of friends and we don't really care what people think, it's easy for us to say, oh God, 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 Jesus, you are so great. You've done so many good things. That's easy. But once God starts blessing you, that's the real test. Twelve months into his blessing in Daniel 4.30, Nebuchadnezzar was walking around the roof of his palace in Babylon and said, look how great Babylon is. I build it as my capital to display my power, my might, my glory, and my majesty. And do you know what took you and God 30 years to build? God can take away from you in one second. In the very next scripture, verse 31, before the words were out of his mouth, a voice spoke from heaven. Nebuchadnezzar, you listen to what I say. Your power is now taken from you. God actually turned him into an animal for seven years until he decided to give God glory again and then turn him back into human. Read the Bible. It's super cool, super awesome. Here's the point. We get to a place in life where we've been blessed, where God's done great things. We have an anointing in our life, a talent. And just like this, the very thing that we were created to give God, we want to hold on to for ourselves just a little bit. Remember Satan's thought in heaven, Lucifer? Remember, that he, all he had was the thought, I think I can handle this on my own. I, I, I want just a little bit of that glory. And just like that, the Bible says, like lightning, he fell from heaven to earth. Um, last week or whatever, I was back there at our peach tree, you know, this, over here at the church. I, I want to thank you all for protecting our peaches. Me and my family got in it. We're all peached out. So when you leave church today, you can all get one peach off the tree. Um, cut us out here in the field, good peaches. And so I was out the other day, and I was just talking to God and doing my thing. And there was a branch that was just covered in peaches. I mean, this one branch had 22 peaches. I mean, it was just covered in peaches. Amazing. Okay, amazing. I expect one of y'all to make me some kind of peach cobbler or something. Probably you'll write it. But anyway, and so this thing was just covered in peaches. And, um, and do you know that the branch that bears itself lowest to the ground is the one that carries the most fruit? 
But the more humble we are, of course, the more God's going to bless us, the more He's going to do in our life when we continuously shine our light on Christ. But this branch had so much fruit on it, it broke off the tree. And within 24 hours, all the luscious peaches that were on that branch rotted. And I was out there talking to God, and God very clearly spoke this to my spirit. He said, John Paul, that's what a lot of people are like in the body of Christ today. I bless them. The fruit grows. Things are doing great. Everything looks fine. I got luscious fruit in their life. They're being blessed, and they have a thought. Maybe I can make it without the rest of the tree. Maybe I can cut myself off from the very thing that's been giving me all this fruit. And just like that, it breaks and everything rots in its life. John 15, 5, Jesus said this, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you stay connected to me, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But listen, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And until we get this revelation, we're going to spend our life struggling. Number one was being an ambassador of his light. Number two is this, be an ambassador of his love. Ambassador of his love. This is a simple one, a quick one. John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you are, by this, by this will everyone, everyone will know by this, if you are one of my disciples, here's how, if you love one another. I don't know if y'all noticed today, but I have a, a, a WWJD bracelet on. Uh, it does not represent why in the world would John Paul do that. It represents what would Jesus do? And uh, this was actually incredibly popular in the 90s, and the black one was hard to find, and I have the black one. WWJD, what would you do? I don't know if y'all saw it. I don't know if you recognize, I am wearing a solid rock t-shirt today. I even have my cross that I made on my, on my wall to Emmaus. Everybody see the cross? Cross that I'm wearing. I even have a few bumper stickers here. Uh, they're Jesus bumper stickers. Look how big it says Jesus. See how big it says Jesus? Man, only a Christian would do something like that. Look how big it is. J-E-S-U-S. That's amazing. And on top of that, I even have my water bottle that says heaven on it. I mean, that's, I mean, obviously, let me see. It's the stale coffee in there. But anyway, and so what this is, obviously, 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 I'm a Christian. I mean, you can tell by the WWJD bracelet, a sinner wouldn't wear that. A heathen would never wear the solid rock emblem on their chest. Surely somebody that knows Jesus very well are the type of people who have heaven written on their coffee mugs. Is that right? Is that right? Okay, listen. No matter how much bumper stickers you have that say Jesus, no matter what clothing you wear, no matter how much scripture you can quote, the only way the world will ever know that you belong to Christ fully and 100% is if you learn how to love people. That is the ultimate test. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I speak in the tongues of angels, if I have prophetic gifts, if I understand, I'm so smart, i got all knowledge. I have faith to raise the dead, heal the sick, move mountains. I've actually given away everything I have. Look at how great of a Christian I am. But if I don't have love, I'm... you know, as ambassadors of God's love, we're actually, we're actually representatives. We're actually... Uh, extensions of his love. That's what we are. We're actually extensions of his love. If you notice, I have an extension cord that I plugged into the wall over there, and because it's plugged into the power source, it works. But if for some reason I were to unplug that extension cord, 
the extension cord in itself holds no power. There is no power in this thing by itself. The only way power will get to this end of the extension cord is if the other end of it is plugged into the power source. If I unplug it, I don't care what I plug into this end, if it's unplugged from the power source, nothing will work on this end. By itself, there's no power, but as soon as I plug this extension cord into the power source, the exact same power, the exact same power that's on that side of the source, the exact same power that comes from the source is the exact same power that I get on this end of the extension cord. The minute we stop loving this world and the people that are in it, and the, Jesus did not come to condemn them, he came to save them. The minute our conversations turn away from love, the minute our motives turn away from love, the minute we let strife and divisions and ignorance and proving our point and me, 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 uh, what happens is we've unplugged ourselves from the power source. And when you unplug yourself from the power source, everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be selfish. Everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be your opinions. Everything that comes out of your mouth, it's not going to bear any good things in your life. We must stay connected to the power source in order to be extensions of God's power. And the Bible says the greatest thing he did, uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved not for he so was angry, not for see he wanted to fix us and change us. He so loved us. It says in 1 John 4, 7, 8, let us love one another because love comes from the power source. Whoever loves the child of God and knows God, whoever does not love does not know God. For God, here's another name of God. You want to take his name in vain? Take love in vain. God actually is love. One of his names is love. When you say I love you, what you're really saying biblically is I God you. I want to treat you like God wants me to treat you. I love you. I want to show you mercy like God showed me mercy. I want to do what God wants to do in this relationship. I God you. I love you. I want God in the middle of this relationship. We are not called to be in a relationship with everyone, but we are called to love everyone. You don't have to agree with them to love them. You don't have to like them to love them, but you got to love them. We are extensions of the love of God. Number three is this. We are ambassadors in our language. Not just our verbal language. This is the one that everybody thinks the third commandment is, is the GD one and the, you know, take the Lord's name in vain, OMG and all that kind of stuff. That's part of it. It's a very small part of it. But it's not just what you say, it's what you text and write. The minute you hit send on that email, it is forever in this world. The minute you hit send on that text, it is forever in this world. You hear me? Now, just as important as that is, the minute that you speak it out, you can say you're sorry later, you can ask for forgiveness, but listen, the minute you speak it out, it is forever in this world. They're actually, I'm using this in a series coming up, but uh, they actually are coming up with a device where they can pull sound waves out of the air. In other words, just because I, I'm talking right now, the further you go away, the less you hear me talking, but the words, the volume is still there. But just because you're far away and can't hear it doesn't mean there's not sound waves. They're creating a machine where they can pull sound waves out of the air. Even from a hundred years ago, they'll be able to pull sound waves out of the air. Imagine if every word that you spoke could be pulled out of the air. Well, listen, uh, it is it, what you spoke. Jesus is hearing every bit of it. It says in uh, Matthew 12, 34, your words show us in your heart. Why is this the most important, uh, why the, one of the top three most important scriptures in the whole Bible? Here's why. Listen real close. Whenever you get saved, people can't see what happened inside of your heart we can't see in the supernatural realm so when you get saved they can't look in your spiritual heart and say oh they got saved 
They belong to Jesus. They're a Christian. They can't see them on the inside. So how can people tell on the outside? The first thing that happens when you got saved, the first thing that happens when you gave your life to Jesus is this. It changed your mouth on the outside. Because if the first thing that happened spiritually was he changed your heart, then the first thing that happens naturally is your mouth is different. Because the Bible says what's in here comes out of here. So people can't see what's happened in your heart, but they can hear what's happened in your heart by what comes out of your mouth. That's why it's so important that we let the world hear us say the right things. It, I, I, when you come to church and, and we're worshiping, when you're not singing, I question, are they saved or not? Like we're worshiping God. If it's in your heart, it comes out of your mouth. You can't say, well, it's in my heart, but it not come out of your mouth because everything that comes out of your mouth is coming from your heart. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 says your lives are a letter that is read. What do you read? You read words. People are looking at your Facebook post. They're hearing what you say. They're watching what you type. Everything out of your mouth shows what's inside of your heart. Leviticus 19, 12, you shall not swear falsely by my name. You shall not profane the name of God. The word profane is where we get the word profanity. And God was teaching them, hey, when you go into this new land, these other people, they use their God's name and conjure up magical spells. My name is not to be used in any incantation. My name is not to be used in a magical spell. My name is not to be used to conjure up prayers of things that you want that I don't want for you. My name is not to be used for you to manipulate people and say, well, God showed me to tell you this and this. You better make sure it's from God because people in the Bible died instantly when they use God's name the wrong way verbally. I want to read you one more story and I'm going to let you go. And this is a very funny, awesome story, so be prepared to smile. Acts 19 through, uh, 13 to 16. Some Jewish exorcists attempted to call on the name of the Lord over, the, over those who were demon-possessed. And they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. The evil spirit, the demon spoke back to them and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know, but who are you? <laughs> then the man with the evil spirit jumped on them and gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. All because they used the name of the Lord in vain. Man. You don't want to get beat and run out of your house naked. You better make sure you say the right thing. And we don't want to see that happen to you either. Believe me. <laughs> Psalms 113.3 says, From sunrise to sunset, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. And His name. I wanted to close, and I just wanted to read you. I wanted to read you what some people were willing to go through to carry the name of the Lord with them. This is just some. Now, um, there's a lot more than this. I just want to read you some of the disciples. Some of them, okay? John, who wrote the Gospel of John Revelation, he was the only one of the 12 disciples original who uh, was not um, uh, murdered for his belief, but he came close to it. They threw him from a cliff, tried to kill him, but he survived. They threw him off a cliff, he survived. So they tried to boil him in oil to kill him and he would not burn to death. So they sent him to the island of Patmos in exile. All the rest. Matthew, killed, Matthew was killed by a sword in Ethiopia while he was preaching, while he was talking about the name of Jesus. Peter was crucified upside down because he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy 
to die in the same way that Jesus died. James the Great, son of Zebedee, he was beheaded in Jerusalem. Bartholomew, Nathaniel, he was flogged, he was whipped until he died. James, the son of Alphaeus, was thrown over a hundred feet down the southeast pinnacle of the temple when he refused to deny the name that is above every other name. When they discovered that James survived the fall, his enemies beat him to death with a club. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India during his missionary trip. Andrew was whipped by seven soldiers in Greece and then crucified. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, he said, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. He continued to preach to his tormentors while he's hanging on a cross for two days until he died. That's just My point is this. Being an ambassador of Christ, hearing his name, it's a full-time, lifelong position. Oh, how we should be so thankful to carry the name of Christ with us wherever we go. Amen.